Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start than right now. So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. All right, guys, welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, as always, presented by our good friends over at Scentlock. Um, it hit me last night. I was in the shower, uh, started washing up my body, and I'm like, man, it's getting close to that time where I don't get to use this smell good stuff no more. Um, and I started thinking about my scent control. And one thing that Scentlock does and does well is their Oz line uh, or their Ozone products. If you've not checked out Ozone uh, or ever used it, it's very beneficial, um, and Scentlock does it well. Uh, with their system of different ozone products. So I'd highly recommend you to check out uh, the Oz by Scentlock uh, as you gear up for this season. I am excited to kick this series off. We've got a nine-part series, um, Deer 101, teaching you from the beginning, from the basics, how to be a deer hunter. Um, if you've never deer hunted before and you want to start, this is absolutely the place to begin. Or if you've deer hunted your entire life and it's time to just kind of reset. Um, I've been there before, trust me, um, and get back to the basics. Um, this is a place for you. I am kicking off this series with barriers of entry. Um, and, and we'll kind of go into what that means, but I've got a special guest. I've got Mr. David Holder of race hunting. David, how are you, man? I'm doing good. How are you, buddy? Absolutely. Fantastic, man. Um, we are about a month out from starting to hit elk season. Um, so, I'm excited, man. And antelope season starts before that. We're August 15, baby. So we're only like, oh, two yeah. Weeks there you go. Um, so the reason I chose David for this first episode, um, obviously, um, they find great success in whitetail hunting. You can see behind them. Um, or if you've ever seen their show, you know they kill giant whitetails. But also, they have raised at full draw, which is getting kids involved in archery. Um, and so they've seen every barrier of entry you could throw at a kid uh, or an onset adult, you know, an, uh, an adult that decides they want to hunt is going to have a complete different set of barriers of entry. Um, and so they've seen all that. They've been through all that. And so really what I want to do, David, is I want to dive into what are barriers of entry, um, how to recognize those things and how to get past those things so we can enjoy hunting. Um, so what is a barrier of entry? Like, definition of barrier of entry? I think in, in my opinion, I think the barrier of entry would be um, something that keeps someone from doing anything. You know, yeah. um, it doesn't have to be hunting. It could be whatever, meaning um, someone doesn't play soccer because they don't have a ball. They don't have access to a field or whatever. Right. Um, so the barrier of entry for hunting, I mean, when I look at it and we've seen it across the board, we've seen it where number one cost, 
You know, there's a lot of people out there that just say they can't afford to go hunting. Um, I turn around and try to tell them you can't afford not to, um, you know, because what you're going to get out of it is so much more. But I understand that the cost, you know, there is a cost to it. There's nothing that we can do as a hobby or as a sport or that doesn't cost money. I mean, and so you have to determine what it is that you want to do. We um, we built a, a Whitetail 101 course ourselves and we go into how not to buy a brand new bow. You know, start with something used, start with some used equipment and things like that to help entry level people get involved. Um, but maybe one of the biggest barriers that we've seen that goes from the kids up to the um, adult level is we're losing that tradition and that family that dad, uncle, grandfather shows the next generation how to do it. Um, and that just seems to be slowly disappearing. And so therefore it's left on folks like ourselves, like you guys, um, you know, leaders in the industry have to look back and say, Hey man, we're going to lose these people. How do we get them involved? And so programs like raise the full draw, um, like podcasts, like what bear is doing here, um, can help. But really what we have found from the States in, in many cases is that they tell us that a one-time person trying something, typically it doesn't stick. Okay. So yeah. let's, you know, someone goes through hunter education, they may or may not choose to go on. One of the reasons that we do our camps that are four days, they're three, four, four days and three nights long is because we want repetition. We want to keep, keep going. And then we invite the kids to come back the next year. Um, and at first we used to think, well, that might not be a good deal. We're only reaching a certain amount of kids. We're limiting ourselves. What we found was the ones that did come back were more likely to continue on hunting. And right. it's just because they're getting to see it more. So, um, barriers of entry can be at multi levels. And now we do a women's camp and that's where I can speak a little bit on the adult side of that same thing. Um, and we work with the state here in a field of fork program. A lot of the states are doing something like that, you know, taking people that, and I, I mentored a hunter last year. So my mentee, I quizzed him pretty, you know, heavily and asked him what has been the biggest barrier. And, and, and in his opinion is, not knowing where to get information. He, you know, who do I ask and how do I know? And I'm like, man, look at this in the world today of YouTube, of television, of TikToks, and all of these places, you would think that n- someone would not have any problem finding the information that they need. Yet what happens is there's so much of it that they don't know who to believe. Right. So, so much contradicting information. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so, and that's where he, you know, he has told us, I'm so fortunate that I met you guys, that you're my mentor because we do, if it, meaning we carry the knowledge, but we also follow up by doing it with it. You know, like I took him hunting, I, I went out and hung stands with him and stuff like that. A lot of the mentor programs don't have time for someone to do that. They're going to meet one day and go hunting. Right. And so the, the more you can get involved, the better. Um, and I, and I just encourage other hunters to, um, realize how good we've got it, you know, I mean, and by doing that, recognize that, Hey, maybe I need to take a little time out of my own hunt and get someone else involved. And what you said about the, the flooding of, of information, I want to take, take time here to talk to the, the experienced hunter or the one that's putting out information, 
try your hardest and and I hope I do it. I hope I do it well, but but try your hardest to not put out information in a way of you have to do it this way or you're wrong. Right. Uh, because then what happens is you're saying you've got to shoot fixed or you're wrong. And then somebody over here is saying you got to shoot mechanicals or you're wrong. And then like David said, the new hunter is sitting there going, okay, so what do I shoot? We need to be putting out information of pros and cons, pros and cons. That way people can make decisions based off of what they like, what they feel, what they maybe are a little bit used to. Um, but we're, we're so, we have such a bad habit of putting out information of a way. If you don't shoot a thumb release, you're, you're wrong. If you don't wear these boots, you're wrong. If you don't, if you shoot a blind, if you should have a blind instead of a tree stand, what are you doing? You're crazy. I mean, we put out this information in a way that my way is the only way. And that's not just for new hunters. That's, I mean, we're wrong as a whole, as a hunting hole for that. But just encourage you, that will help tear down one of the barriers of entry at the very beginning, at the base of it for new hunters. Uh, I, Dylan, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, and it's funny that you bring up the broadhead debate because it's a hot topic right now. Yeah. It, it's always a hot topic, but it's been, and, and exactly what you just said, we just finished the podcast about that. And that is, man, I'm not against any broadhead. I can tell you why we shoot expandable broadheads and why we're not afraid to. And, and, um, but at the same time, I'm not going to criticize someone else's broadhead for what they, they, they choose. Once in a while, you'll find something from testing that just is an absolute failure. Yeah, you want to get that information out there. Um, but you want to make sure that that might be one product from one company. It's not like that entire line is trash. Right. You know, all of us can have something that fails. So, um, but when it comes to that barrier, and and I just think that someone has to approach these people with that and maybe that's where I'm a retired firefighter and I was a training officer. And so I love helping other people. And the best description that I can put a, put to the best kind of instructors or trainers is going to be try to get down on a kindergarten level. And yeah. I don't mean you're trying to, you know, I don't, I don't mean you're trying to um, make someone feel small or anything like that, but make sure that they are comfortable to ask any question. You know, here, me and you can be talking about broadheads and we're going, oh, that's a hot topic. And you could have literally have someone sitting beside you that's trying to get into archery that doesn't know what a broadhead is. Yeah. You know, they're going, well, I don't want to ask this question because they act like they are, you know, it's a big debate. And they're, uh, they don't even know what that, you know, what they're talking, what what to say to that. Yeah. Um, And I, and I, I mean, it goes to the simple um, definitions of you know, poundage and what hand are you, what eye dominance are you um, making sure that you just go back to the very, very basics. And that's hard to do sometimes as a, um, you know, as a veteran in into something, you just get so far along that you forget those little things. That's what I love about our camps. Raise the full draw, remind me of that, you know, because every year I got kids that are somewhere between 12 and 17 years old and I think it's awesome when you see, and I don't care whether they're 17 and shooting for the first time or whether they're 12. Um, when they are interested, the biggest thing that I would tell you that I see that advances them is being able to accomplish it. And what I mean by that is not necessarily hitting the vitals at 40 yards on a 3D target, hitting the 10 ring on a circular target at 10 yards 
And you'll watch some of these kids go light up. Yeah, this works. I did that. Um, And but boy, it takes a lot of patience on the instructor side, you know, to get there and start that. Um, But it's worth it. It is really, really worth it. We've seen some kids that have come back to camp that I would have told you the first time that I met them. This probably won't be one of our next hunters, you know, but then the more and more they get into it, next thing you know, they're coming back the next year. They got their own bow. They're shooting 3D stuff. They're out talking to, and, and many of them don't have, and you know, they don't have that family member to help them along. So what I want to do, um, I want to look at some of the big barriers, um, and then maybe how we can get past them. Yep. Um, before we do that, I got it. I do have to say, I'm a fan of shooting out of blinds. Um, not going to say really why. Uh, because that is part of our Deer 101 series of tactics of hunting um, and how we use those and why we use those. But I am a fan of hunting out of blinds. Um, and I have found forerunner blinds um, to be innovative uh, and just phenomenal for everything I need them to do. Um, I run a Baku e-bike and I can hook up my blind to my bike. It's got a trailer on it. I can hook up my blind. It's got wheels that pop down and I can pull that blind wherever I want, set it and hunt out of it. It's a really cool concept, but also the blind itself. If you're not going to pull it anywhere, uh, you can use four wheelers, golf carts, side-by-sides, trucks, whatever to pull that blind. But if you're not going to move it, if it's just going to be a stationary blind, it still functions as a phenomenal blind. It's stainless steel. Um, it's huge. It's got giant windows. I have found Forerunner blinds to be phenomenal. I would highly recommend you to go check them out. They're also a Baku dealer. So they also have the bikes to pull the trailers. Go check them out, Forerunner blinds. Um, David, with kids, um, the three biggest, and you can certainly tell me if I'm wrong, you're probably more familiar with this than I am. The three biggest uh, barriers that I would say are cost, time, and then lack of information or knowledge. Um, would you agree with that or would you say, hold on, there's, let's change that. I, I think, I think those three are in the top five because I think the other one is again, someone to mentor them, you know, the, the father figure, or if that's what you want to call it, or grandfather or uncle, um, that, that I would say that's the top four. Now, let me, let me also say this. Um, I think this is a barrier in and of itself probably not a top one but um i'm kind of trying to decide how to word this sometimes this is this goes for the dad or for somebody who's wanting to teach somebody how to hunt but also for the for the for the person who's wanting to get into hunting sometimes i'm not the best person to teach my kid um i'm not going to be as patient i'm not i'm going to demand a little more out of them i'm going to get frustrated quicker um you know, I can teach somebody else's kid a whole lot better than I can teach my kid. A, that kid's going to listen to me better. Um, just nature of the beast. Listen, husbands, you're never going to teach your wife how to shoot a bow. She ain't going to listen to you. I'll tell my wife seven times, change this, do this. You're doing that wrong. And she'll say, shut up. I'm going to do it how I want to. David will come in and say, hey, sweetheart, why don't you drop that a little bit? You know, drop that arm, that shoulder a little bit. She's like, oh, okay. I'm like, I told you that seven times. You didn't listen to me. But that's just how it works. Um, and I believe that is a barrier sometimes because I try to get my kid involved in archery. Um, 
I get frustrated. I yell. I demand too much out of them. I expect them to hit the target more, whatever. And then it kind of just pushes them away. Um, and so I think that's a barrier, a barrier in and of itself. Um, not saying I can't help them, not saying I can't guide them, but something to think about. If you're getting frustrated, if the kid's getting frustrated, you might say, why don't I have somebody else get the ball rolling, get it started? Um, I just wanted to throw it out there. Uh, so let's address cost. Um, a kid comes to you and says, David, I really want to start hunting, but I have no money. Um, what do you say? Well, first of all, I'd say, well, let's see what we're talking about. What kind of money are we, you know, there's going to be some cost if they actually want to go hunting. But I would yeah. tell them that there is state programs. We work with kids all the time, you know, payment plans. I've seen archery shops doing that kind of thing. Again, the very first thing is don't go look at the the bear's best bow out there, you know, that costs a right. thousand dollars. Don't go look at the brand new trophy ridge site. Go find that bear bow on eBay or somewhere yes. like that where you can get started, um, you know, and and. It, it helps. We do that a lot. We'll sell old bows and stuff like that. And we try to make it affordable for people to put it in their hands. But again, you got to be careful if you're buying off of eBay or somewhere where you're buying online and you don't know the person. Unfortunately, people take advantage of people all the time. So it really does help to look around. Just start trying to find people in your area that actually do it. And that, and then they can guide you, whether there's an archery shop that you might be able to go visit with someone. I know that we have only two close to us. One is the Shields, and then there's another one that is not too far from us. Both of them do consignment type stuff. So people will have brought in an old bow and they can buy a bow through there. Um, but there's entry-level bows now that are not very expensive either, you know. And, and so the first thing that I would tell someone is it is going to cost you something but I think we can get it to where it's affordable. Yeah. <coughs> the first bow I ever bought, I was in the same situation. Couldn't afford a bow. Um, found one on eBay, but I didn't know enough about bows to, to look at it and decide if it was good. My brother-in-law was a huge bow hunter. And so I said, Hey dude, would you come with me? Well, it wasn't eBay. It was like a, um, you know, one of the, you got to meet them up. You got to meet up and get it. Right. Um, and so I said, would you come with me and just look at this bow? Uh, because I'm going to go into this and, and spend money and it's going to be jank. It's going to be messed up. It's going to be. And so I said, absolutely, man. And so he, we met the guy. Um, I said, listen, I'm going to be honest. I don't know anything about archery yet. Uh, so I'm going to have my brother-in-law here look over the bow for me. He said, that's fine. Yeah. And so, um, that's a perfect example. You can find a bow. I spent 200 bucks on that first bow, fully set up arrows, sights, rest, stabilizer, quiver, release, everything I needed, broadheads, everything. I spent 200 bucks for a full setup, ready to go hunting. Um, and I was a kid. I mean, I was, I was in high school. I was a kid, but I come up with 200 bucks and I was absolutely ready to go hunting. I bought everything I needed for 200 bucks and I shot deer with that bow. Um, I shot my first buck with that bow. I shot does with that bow. I shot coons and squirrels and anything I could get within range of with that bow. And it worked. Um, and then after a couple years, I was ready to invest in a new bow. Um, and that's how it started. Um, 
So you absolutely can find it affordable. Do not get tricked into this whole, you've got to spend a thousand bucks and on your bow and 400 on sights and 300 on arrows and, or you're not ever going to be successful. Listen, my dad still shoots like a 19 year old bow with the crappiest. I'm just being a hundred percent honest with you, metal pins sticking out and he shoots deer every year with that bow. Um, and, and I hate to be the one to show our age, you know, but I could show you sites that, yeah. Before range finders and you know had a little circle around it and that's you that would tell you about how far away something was yeah and and they were thumb you tightened each individual pin and you could yep. even move them in left and right so you had to be careful because you wouldn't get them all lined up just right yeah but that was that was back when my first tree stand cost 1999 <laughs> that was I, I the first bow I ever actually shot um and took hunting there was no sights there was just pins in the riser um and and now of course i'm not that old i was using an old bow of my father's but um i say all that to say you can shoot deer without spending thousands of dollars for sure you can shoot deer without spending thousands of dollars on binoculars and boots and clothing and and ozone products and and nose jammer and arrows and i mean you can do it for cheap um, really cheap. I did it for 200 bucks in high school and, and I had a blast. I shot deer. I learned a ton. I learned how to side in bows. I learned how to tune bows. I learned how to shoot animals. I learned everything I needed to know with a $200 bow package. And that's all it took. But I, so I think that we answered that question. I think you're hit the nail on the head is you, you, with your brother-in-law is find that someone whether Mm -hmm. that, you know, find that someone that's close to you that you can trust and have them help you. And, you know, it's not necessarily a mentor. It's just someone that you can trust that that'll walk with you. That's done it before. It would be no different. I'm not a snow skier. So if I was going to go snow skiing for the first time, I'd want to go with someone who's done it before. I want to ask them what boots, what does this mean when they start telling me, you know, your feet are going to be too tight or whatever, you know, I don't want to kill myself going down the hill. I want to have fun. Um, so that, that to me would, that's the way to get past that barrier. Um, I know that that sounds crazy that a friend can help you save money, but they can, they can save a bunch. Now, let me also make note of this. I said, I started shooting my dad's bow, but my brother-in-law was the one that helped me buy a bow and get it sighted in and get it to, and it was for, for that exact reason. Me and my dad, like, sure. He's helped me a lot along the way in hunting. Like he taught me how to hunt, taught me how to shoot deer, taught me how to, with a rifle, but when I was ready to start shooting a bow, my dad would just make me mad. I'm like, dude, you know, he demanded too much of me. He wanted it perfect. He want, and so I went to my brother-in-law. And I said, dude, I need to buy a bow. I need to learn how to shoot it. Now, of course, over the years, my dad has taught me a lot more about archery. But to get me started, I went to somebody else. So I didn't get frustrated. So my dad didn't get frustrated. So perfect example there as well. Um, time is a big one, man. Uh, both let me just say both of these cost and time are associated with kids and adults um sure there is no there is no well i'm an adult now i get all the time in the world um and believe it or not parents like as somebody who has three kids it's easy for adults to look at kids and say you should have all the time in the world but they're so stinking busy these days with i mean 
you know, when I was a kid, sports was like once a night, like, or, or once a week, you had practice on Tuesdays, you played on Thursdays. Now our coaches are like, you'd be here every day at 6 PM. We play every Saturday at three and 12. You do. And I'm like, what? Like, you do know if she's 10, right? <laughs> Anyways. Um, so time takes place on both. Uh, and the busier the parent, the busier the kid. So, um, time is a, is a barrier on both. How do you break down that time barrier? I mean, it, and it's, it's going to be a choice, you know, I mean, Bingo. flat out, you got to make the choice, but I think that, that getting past the barrier of the money and getting a bow in someone's hands and them actually being able to hit something. And all of a sudden this becomes just as enjoyable as shooting basketball, you know, or playing piano Bingo. or whatever it is. And so, and not everyone turns into a hunter. You know, a lot of people shoot bows. We know we have many, many kids that have come through camp, many women that have come through our camps that they're not hunting right now, but boy, they love their bow. They love shooting archery. And so yeah. it just, you know, it's someone's got to find, you're going to have to make that time. There's definitely be a time commitment. However, it's not where it's not a, well, if you don't practice four days a week, then you don't get to start on the weekend. You know, there's not that element to it. Although the best thing that we tell you, if you are going to try to hunt with your bow, you want to make sure you do practice enough that you're proficient at whatever range it is right. that, you, that you can actually, you're talking about taking an animal's life and above whatever broadhead or anything else that you want to bring into that, the ethics of taking that animal's life have to be number one. Right. So it's a time commitment. Um, I would say on average, on a normal and I'm, it seems like I'm over 50 now and I spend, I have, I'm busier than I ever was. I don't know how I've retired from the fire department and it just fills your day. But there was a time when I liked to be able to say that I could shoot five days a week and I probably would shoot 30 minutes, 40 minutes. I've never been a long, like whole bunch of arrow person, you know, where you shoot 150 arrows because what I found was I would get tired and then I'm messing with sites. That's where bad habits form. Absolutely. So if I can go out and shoot for 20 to 30 minutes, you know, I might only shoot 25, 30 arrows. Um, and honestly, the only one, there's only one arrow that I'm really judging on. And that's the very first one, you know, right. where was that? So, yeah. um, and, and so that's kind of been my regimen. I would say a, a person can get away with a couple, three days a week. Once they get to where that bow is dialed in and they're dialed in, it's more of you. The bow will get, it's not like a gun though. You can't hand your bow to someone else and they shoot it. So people need to understand that bow is individual to you. However, the bow will pretty much stay consistent once it's broken. There is a broken period or a break-in period, especially for like a new bow. Strings got to set in and things like that. Um, once that happens, then that bow should shoot the same. But what you'll find is that you will change. And, and kids, uh, unfortunately, they keep growing. And yeah. so that can, that can adjust, you know, and so they kind of have to chase their bow a little bit, but lifting weights can be another one. I used to run into that all the time. I'd shoot one day. I'm shooting great. Go to the gym, come back the next day. Why am I shooting six inches left? Um, and then I, I wouldn't, after a long period of time, I learned I'm chasing this thing. What's going on. I'd leave it alone, come back. And then I'm back on. Well, it was muscle fatigue. And yeah. so then your body compensates for that. So so I one I guess I would say to someone, it, how much time you spend is completely up to you, but you would definitely have to make a some type of a time commitment to it, which ain't that bad. I mean, look how much time we spend on our phones now. 
I'll bet you he could afford 30 minutes oh, yeah. a day to shoot a bow. Now, one thing that I get a lot um, from friends, family is, well, yeah, Dylan, but you get to shoot every day. Like you, you shoot every, and sure, I understand that, that, you know, I don't have to, to go to an office and sit from eight to five. Um, this is my office. My broadheads are sitting right here. Um, my, my jigs are sitting right here. So, so I understand that, that I spend a whole lot more time sharpening broadheads, fletching arrows, tuning bows, waxing strings, you name it. Um, I spend a whole lot more time tinkering with that type stuff because it's sitting right here. So while I'm working or while I'm doing that type of stuff, I, I understand I spend more time doing it. I probably spend more time shooting than I maybe even should. I shoot twice a day, morning and evening. Um, I, the, the, in the morning, I shoot one arrow, no matter what. Like you just said, I shoot one arrow. Um, that takes me all of about 40 seconds to grab my bow, walk out on the back deck, pick a 3D target, and shoot at it. One shot, all of about 40 seconds. And then I get to work. I, you know, I go about my day. In the evening, what, what that does is that forces me all day long to think about that shot. Why was I low? What was I doing? Did I, man, did I choose the wrong pin? Um, did, was my grip off? Was I, what, what happened? Much like when you miss a deer or you wound a deer, you spend a whole lot of time thinking about how did I do that? Did he jump? Did I drop? Or what happened? Um, so I spent all day thinking about that shot. Was it a great shot? What did I do? I mean, man, I need to recreate that shot every time, dude. It was perfect. So I spend all day thinking about that. And then in the evening, I go out and actually practice what I had to think about. And, and I'm much like you. I'm not shooting for an hour and a half, two hours. I'm shooting for 30 minutes, maybe 35 minutes. So in a day, I shoot twice a day, every day. But in that day, I've only got 40 minutes into practice. You know what I mean? That's one episode of a TV show. So, man, time is, and, and it's exactly what you said. It's going to be your choice. It, it, if you value TV or Instagram or you name it, you'll spend time doing it. If you want to be a successful hunter, you'll spend time practicing. You'll spend time out there. You will make the time. Uh, I will say this. When I did have to go to work at 8 a.m. and didn't get off till 5, I forced myself. I woke up at 4.30 in the morning so I could read my Bible, work out, and then shoot my bow before I had to go to work because I knew when I get home, kids want my time. Wife wants my time. We've got dinner. We've got you know practices. We've got... So I forced myself to wake up because I wanted to shoot my bow. You'll make time if you really want to do it. It'll be time well spent, though. I will say that oh. I mean, it'll come back, but I have I've, to laugh because Warren was the Warren took me and you, and then Warren was my 500 arrows a day. I'm yeah. having to, I'm having to go get new strings for his bows every two or three months. So one day he's like 15, he's out in the yard with two other buddies that are like 16, 15, and 16, and I'm about to tell him, "Why are you shooting for the third time today? Your bow is on, you know." And then it dawned on me, why would I ever stop him? There's a yeah. whole lot worse things that he could be doing, you know? Right. And so anyhow, it, it, it can become addicting, I guess is my point there. And that's okay. Well, it's just like you said, I've never one time wish I wouldn't have shot my bow. Like <laughs> been like, man, I shouldn't have went and shot today. Right. However, 
I have, there have been times where I wish I wouldn't have sat on my phone so long. There have been times where I wish I wouldn't have sat on my butt and watch TV so long. There have been times where I wish I wouldn't have went out and spent money on dinner and went out and ate and went out and watched a movie. There have been those times. But there's never been a time where I'm like, dang it, why did I shoot my bow today? You know what I mean? Yep, I agree with you. Now, I do want, it's kind of a stretch to tie these together, but I have to. We talk about cost, and then we talk about time. Shooting my bow is completely free, so it's free entertainment. So sure. by investing the $200 in a bow, I'm getting a whole lot of free entertainment. And that bow will pay for itself because there have been times where me and my wife are like, let's go on a date. Let's go spend 100 bucks on dinner and a movie. Hey, how about we just fix some sandwiches and shoot our bows? Like just spend time shooting our bows together. And we just saved a hundred bucks by staying home, fixing a sandwich and chips and going out in the backyard, turning some music on, shooting bows. Like that's, it's fun. It's free. It's addicting. And the cost of the initial bow, man, it saves itself because that's what I enjoy shooting my bow. Like I don't, I don't say, Hey, let's go spend money and go to the water park. I'm like, Hey, let's go out and shoot our bows as a family. Let's, you know, that's, that's a fun thing we do together and it doesn't cost me any money. Um, so well, that goes back to what you were talking about earlier. I think Dylan, when you were talking about, you know, sometimes it's easier to learn from someone else. There is another way. I mean, there are other things when it comes to deer hunting. I mean, and I guess we're talking about bow hunting you might be shooting a gun. You know, someone might be into shooting their rifle and they find the same thing. They get that satisfaction out of shooting it and things like that. But the one that probably was that I sealed the deal on with getting my kids involved in hunting early was going for a drive. We drive the gravel roads yeah. and we look through binoculars and we look at deer. Now, fortunately, my two boys grew up in Montana, so we could go down some roads. I would tell them tonight we're going to go look for elk. You know, tomorrow night we'll go look for antelope. Or And then once in a while there would be a particular road that we would see mule deer, antelope, whitetail deer. Uh, you know, uh, maybe an elk and, and just, but I made it a big deal, you know, and, and they each got their own pair of binoculars, even if they were just fake little things, you know, when they were really little. Yeah. Um, but I made it, this is like, you talked about going on a date. It was a date with the family. You right. Know, here's what we're going to go do. And they could see, I think they see and feel how much mom and dad were into it, how much we enjoyed it um, and how much we could show them. And so therefore they naturally got involved in it. Um, and that place, there's no one else that can do that as well as a family member or a friend or, you know, someone that takes the time to go do that. Dude, speaking of Montana, I visited Montana for the first time this weekend. Just got back yesterday. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. I was on Blacktail Mountain uh, overlooking Flathead Lake. Oh my gosh, dude. I fell in love with Montana. I made a post and said, I'm, I, that's it. I'm moving to Montana. Yeah. I used to live not just just a little farther North outside of whitefish. Did you yeah. go to whitefish? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I went to get coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that there was a, a really good coffee shop. So I drove there to yeah. get coffee. Of course it was only what, 20 minutes maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Montana is incredible. Man, I'll tell you what I like about it. And maybe you can, Give me some insight. We're getting off topic here, but that's okay. Um, a lot of Western states are full of a bunch of yuppies, you know, <laughs> a 
we'll leave it at that. All but right. Montana seemed, I was like, man, I'm out West, but this is just a bunch of rednecks. Like this, like back home in Arkansas, a bunch of rednecks, dude. It's all good. You have, you have, I, you have both out there, you know, I loved you have, it. yeah. Um, but the, the, the true Montanans, the ones that have born and raised there, those are your ranchers, farmers. They're just like the rest of us, you know, they're just trying to get their stuff done. Um, but no, it's it, as far as a place to live and place to raise a family, it's pretty dang good. Although I can't speak poorly of Iowa either. You live in the Midwest yeah. and the Midwestern people just have a way of getting in your skin. We'll say that. Um, Kansas is a phenomenal place to raise a family. Um, they're not, they're not as flooded with all the crap. Um, I'll say, um, I guess that's a way to put it, but, um, yeah, before we move on, got to give a quick shout out to my boys over at boning. Um, and then we're going to dive into our last two kind of barriers and how to get through them. But our guys over at boning, um, if you've shot archery much time at all, you're probably familiar with the blazer vein. Uh, it's the most sold and used vein in the world. And that's kind of what boning is known for. However, they have a ton of veins, um, a large selection of different veins, different heights, different weights, different lengths. I am currently shooting a four-fletch uh, heat vein, um, and it flies phenomenal. It's quiet. I love that that setup. Um, they also have some incredible um, shooting products as far as quivers and hip hip quivers and pocket quivers and 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 just things to shoot with and things to help enjoy the sport of archery. Not to mention the Fred Bear branded products, the, the camo wraps, uh, the flannel wraps. They have some incredible Fred Bear stuff. So go check out Boning uh, for all your arrow building needs, all of your arrow component needs, because they are the gold standard for arrow components. Um, knowledge and info. We mentioned that people are flooded today. Doesn't take much to Google best broadhead. What broadhead should I shoot? And you are going to be flooded um, with information and all of that information is going to be you shoot this or you're wrong you shoot that or you're wrong this sucks this is good um, and then the other guy is saying that sucks this is good um, you're going to be flooded or you really want to get hit in the face google single pin versus multi-pin which one should i be shooting um, you will find a plethora of information um, and that's a barrier a big barrier David, what do you tell people how to get past that, how to get through it? The first thing I tell them is call us. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll try to handle as many as we can. Um, we, we do. We answer a ton of emails, social media, you know, questions and things like that from folks. But um, and, and it seems like there is a now a big push that a lot of different organizations, different companies are looking at the educational side. Um, I wish that we could find a way to all come together because basically everything that you're talking about there, Dylan, is just an opinion, you know, and everyone has a right to have an opinion. Um, but you have to make sure that people understand that that's all it is, that my opinion is this. I, I've been fortunate enough to live in four different states. I've hunted in probably 35 of the 50 states, something like that. I've shot fixed uh, fixed broadheads. I've shot expandable broadheads. I've shot fixed pin, single pin, movable this, movable that. I guess it ha it comes with age, you know. You the, and um, 
I have an opinion on all of it, but that's all it is, you know, is my opinion. I'll lead you. I used to laugh when we lived in Montana, there was a gentleman that had an archery shop. And if you were going to go buy something from him, you're walking out of there with a Bowtech bow and a whisker biscuit. That was the only two things that he knew how to sell to people. And so I used to ask him, why is it that you don't talk to anyone about, you know, a drop away rest or why is it that you don't carry X amount of bow? You don't have a bear bow. You don't have a Hoyt of Matthews or anything like that. He didn't, he was so focused on what he knew that he didn't want to change. It was going to be, it was going to put him in a, in an odd place. And his later on, a few years later, his grandson took over. And when his grandson took over, it was, night and day because his grandson had learned what he learned from his grandfather, but also he had been paying attention. And, and so the, eventually the, eventually the archery shop got way bigger and way better because they brought in more adversity. They brought in more things to tell someone the best place to go right now. There isn't an, there isn't a one-stop shop that can answer all your questions. I wish there was. Yeah. (coughs) I will say that I, I get so many emails with questions about, I mean, you name it. Just just yesterday, it was boots. Somebody emailed me about boots. Dylan, I'm headed out for my first Western hunt. What kind of boots do I need? Friday, it was somebody asking me about arrows. Dylan, I, I have no idea what kind of arrows I need. Um, I'm getting pounded with all of these different kinds of arrows, micros, and, and, and you know, Outserts, inserts, half outs. He's like, I have no idea what I'm looking at. Um, I absolutely love those emails. I love them. Um, everybody seems to think, man, I'm sorry to bother you with this. I don't mean to be a bother. Um, I'm sorry to annoy you with this. I love that. That's what I. That's why I do this. Um, that's why I want to help. Uh, that's why I want to put this out so I can help on an individual basis as well. My email is the hunting 101 podcast at gmail.com. Any questions you've got, shoot them over to me. Most of the time, I'm just going to give you my phone number and say, call me uh, and let's talk about it. <clears throat> that way you can, you know, I can really dive into it rather than, you know, a, a, a email. Um, so shoot me an email. I would absolutely love to give you that knowledge or point you in somebody who, who is way more knowledgeable than I. Um, you know, there are people who put out phenomenal content uh, regarding different things. Um, I'm, I'm not going to start trying to name some because we'll go down a rabbit hole. But there are phenomenal people who put out information on broadheads. There are phenomenal people who who do unbiased testing on broadheads just to give you an idea of what works, what doesn't, what flies good, what doesn't. Um, there are those people. It takes work finding them. Not, I'm not going to deny that. Um, it takes shifting through a whole bunch of information on you have to shoot this or you're wrong. You have to shoot that or you're wrong. Um, I will say this. I got a negative review on the podcast not too long ago. Um, and the negative review said something along the lines of, of bears, not the only way. Um, you're absolutely right. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I don't care. I want you to shoot a bear bow. That's what I shoot. That's what I, I love. If we're going back to cost, it's definitely the most efficient. Um, but guys, there's hundreds of bows out there. They all perform. I'm not, I mean, I can shoot a, a deer with a bear just as easily as anybody else can shoot a, a deer with any other make, model, year, whatever. 
Um, so, so bear is not the only way. Um, and I tell people that on a daily basis, I'm like, listen, every manufacturer makes a good bow these days. There is not a bow you're going to buy and it's not going to shoot well. I just happen to have a, a, a very fond love of bear. Um, I say all that to say this, you got to shift through shift sift would be the word. I'm sorry. Sift through some information and really find the guys that are putting out unbiased information as opposed to, man, these broadheads are the best thing I've ever shot in my entire life. If you don't shoot them, man, you're never even going to shoot a deer. Um, you gotta, you gotta sift through a lot of that, but guys like the holders, guys like myself, guys like, um, you know, who, who put out their information just say, call me, text me. Um, you know, those guys are phenomenal resources. There are good tools too. Um, you might be more familiar with this because I heard about it for the first time this weekend. Um, the guys over at Identical Draw are putting together, I'm trying to go to their website before I speak to this. Um, new Hunters. I'm guessing that's where it's at. Okay, I don't know. Yes newhunter.org go to www.newhunter.org completely dedicated to the new hunter you can create an account and you unlock mentors nationwide um so uh, basically exactly what we're talking about by going to that website by creating an account it's going to help you find a mentor in your area so it'll say hey there's a mentor just an hour from you but then also it'll say Here's all the mentors you can contact, get a hold of, ask questions to. I'm not real familiar with it. I just heard about it this weekend. I was sitting around talking about this kind of very topic. And somebody said, hey, the guys over at Identical Draw just started this. So I would highly recommend you to go check it out. Um, that sounds like a cool program. Yeah. I, again, I've not looked at it yet. Uh, I, I intend to dive into it, um, but I haven't yet. So newhunter.org. Go check it out for that mentor. Um, which brings us to our last topic. Uh, lack of mentor. Um, and I think we kind of covered that with the information <laughs> barrier. Yeah. Well, Do you have anything you want to add on that? The only thing that I would say is that, you know, you can throw us out there as raisedhunting.com. You go to our website. We answer every email. We answer every Facebook message, good or bad, you know, challenge accepted. We, I'm going to email you daily. Go for it. And you'll see that we get that. <laughs> we get those answers out. I mean, and it, it's because we are that passion, Dylan. I mean, I, I hear yeah. you talking and when you're that passionate about what you believe in, yes, it's a profession for us. It's a job, um, but it sure doesn't feel like it, you know, and I, I, I feel like we would be, I hate to see other hunters that like don't want to give away that last little secret, you know, or they hold something back. I feel like that's pretty selfish because if you can't, get someone else involved and let them experience what you're experiencing. And my goodness, if it took you like it, when you were talking about how you learned, you know, from your brother-in-law and your dad and all that, I had, I had a family that hunted. They are the ones that introduced me into hunting. Nobody in my family bow hunted. So I completely learned. And, and it was a tough road. I mean, this is before there was a YouTube. This is before the internet. Yeah. I mean, you had to do everything on your own. And so anyhow, maybe that's why I'm so passionate and, and believe in so much about helping others. Um, and that if there's some way that we can become uh, a mentor for as many people as possible, we would, hence the reason we, we, 
even released Raised Honey was to show people that, you know, here's a family that's been doing it together for 35, 40 years now, you know, and uh, Karen and I will continue to do that as long as we possibly can. And if that means we got to reach out to people that aren't necessarily, quote, family, um, we'll do that because that's the one thing I love about hunting is the more you hang out with people that do it together, the more like family you become, regardless of yeah. where you're from. Absolutely, man. Um, so I also want to give a, a encouragement. Maybe you are a faithful listener to this podcast and you are a hunter. You're not a new hunter. Um, can I just encourage you to find somebody to mentor? Find somebody and say, hey, you ever thought about shooting a bow? Man, it's a blast. And just get them started because it can literally change their life forever. Um, and I don't mean like, oh, yeah, you made me addicted to something. No, I mean it can change their life. Um, I've, I've heard stories and testimonies of people addicted to drugs and alcohol and, and having something like archery to do got them out of that lifestyle. You can literally change somebody's life. And, and I'm not saying that's every case. I understand that. But but even if my son can grow up with something to be passionate about, it'll keep him out of trouble. It'll keep him from doing stupid things because he's passionate about something. Um, so I would just highly encourage you. You say, I don't have any kids. Find a neighborhood kid. Man, I had a kid stroll back behind my house and he said, what are all these things out here? And I said, these are targets. And he said, targets. And I said, yeah, I shoot my bow at them. And, and just immediately he showed interest. And I'm like, well, man, you know, if I can get permission from your parents, I'd love to show you some stuff. You know, we can shoot bows. We can, um, so, so just find somebody, find a, a kid in your church and just say, Hey, have you ever shot a bow before, man? I'd love to have you out to the house and, and show you what it's about. Just find somebody because you can literally change their life their family's life. I don't know that family that got you involved in hunting. Uh, are you, do you still have a relationship with them? A hundred percent. You know, so now, I mean, now they can literally look back and say, we've changed David's kids' lives by helping him get into archery. We've changed all of the lives that David touched through raised at full draw. We've changed all of those kids' life just by helping David get in, involved in archery. You never know the impact you'll make. You know, and, and for me, I go back to, it's kind of a crazy story, but I'm 16 years old. I'm wanting to shoot a bow. I don't know anything about it. And there's a kid in my, not at my school, at another school, but another friend of mine knows him. So it's a long, you know, there's not like we're good buddies or anything like that. And someone told me where he lived and that his dad was big into archery. So what do I do? I don't, I don't go knock on the door. I stand on the other side of a six foot privacy fence, looking through the hole, watching his dad shoot. What I didn't know was his dad knew I was there. I didn't know that. But, and so one day, you know, I've been there probably, I don't know, four or five times watching and I'm just watching what he's doing. And I'm watching this guy when he's shooting arrows, they're going where they're supposed to. And so I would go home and try to mimic the stuff he was doing. Finally, one day I show up there and he meets me at the road and I'm thinking, Oh, I'm in trouble. He's figured this out, you know? And he says, I noticed that you've been watching me shoot, you know, and, and I think that that's cool, but, Maybe it would do a little better if you just come over here and let me see if I can help you. And so then he had me go home and get my stuff and bring it over. And that was the turning point for me because I went from, you know, like shooting groups that were I was hitting the target every time. But that's about it. He yeah. showed me just a couple little things. And all of a sudden I was hitting the center of the target within 
a year or two, I actually went hunting and killed my first deer. So it was, you know, to have that guy do that for me. And now I don't know how many hundreds of kids, maybe we're into thousands now with camp. We've been doing camp for 19 years. So we have 50 kids and we're in six States now. So, um, we're, we're, I, and I wouldn't change a thing other than wish that I could do double that or quadruple that or 10 times that. That's awesome. No, nothing beats hand on hands on help. You know, when I switched to shooting a recurve, YouTube and and Instagram and Facebook, they got me hitting a stop sign. Uh, but then when I I drove to Missouri and and spent the day shooting with uh, Harvey Ebers, uh, and then he got me hitting a softball, um, and then I drove to Denver and spent the day with Tom Clum, and he got me hitting a golf ball. You know, I mean, nothing beats that that hands on. Because it's easy to look at a video and say, oh, I've been raising my shoulder up. But that video might not show you why you're raising your shoulder up or how to prevent that. So then you're you know, trying all sorts of crazy stuff. I spent, I don't know, 35 seconds with Tom Clum. And he said, hey, if you just do this, it'll keep that shoulder down. And I'm like, oh, I've been trying every way I could think of to just force that shoulder down. And then he's like, dude, if you just twist your body just a little bit, it'll, it'll force that muscle to engage and keep your shoulder. And I'm like, Oh, there you go. Took him 35 seconds of hands-on training. So find somebody, find somebody that, that you can pour into if you're a hunter. And then if you're getting into this, find somebody who can help you. Um, it's worth it. I promise it's worth it. Um, again, email me if you've got any questions. Uh, I'm excited for this series. I'm incredibly excited for this series. Um, because we're going to answer as many questions as we can with this series. But if you have any questions at all, um, you can email me at the hunting one one podcast at gmail.com. Go to racehunting.com, Reach out to those guys. I promise you'll get good information there. Check out identical draws website and check out their new website to find mentors. There is resources out there. I know this looks intimidating. I know it looks like a big, scary task. And you're like, how do I even, where do I even begin? Well, first, you begin with these nine episodes, but those three resources right there are going to help you a lot. Um, before we go, I got to give a thank you to my friends over at Nick's Knife Works. Nick Deeker is a good friend of mine. Makes um, he, he's a, he hand forges his knives right here in the great state of Kansas. They are phenomenal knives. But what I love most about him is he doesn't just spit out knives and say, here's your knife, come and buy it. He asks you what you need, how you're going to use it, how you're going to carry it. And he builds your knife exactly the way you need him to. I would highly recommend you to check out nickskniveworks.com or Nick's Knife Works on social media. His knives are beautifully built and they're going to be built exactly the way you need it. I, I gave him spec sizes for my binocular case or for my binocular harness and he's got me a knife fit perfectly to the side of my harness, clipped right there. It's ready to go. It's really cool. Check out Nick's Knife Works at nicksknifeworks.com. David, thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank you for all you do for the sport of archery, um, for new hunters. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Thank you, Dylan. Appreciate you. Uh, um, this was this. I think you guys are on to something with this series. So um, hats off to you guys as well. I appreciate that. Guys, thank you for listening. This is episode one of a nine-part Deer 101 series where we're going to completely unpack how to become a deer hunter. So make sure and stay tuned in. Uh, But David, thank you so much for coming on. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Y'all have a great week.